You are listening to Rootbound, a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. Rootbound is brought to you by the humble tomato, the bright red vegetable that's actually a fruit. Yes, listeners of the podcast will know that that fake bell sound means that we have a special episode again this week. I'm your host, Steve, by the way. But that fake bell sound means we're only going to talk about one plant this week. Now, normally, we talk about two plants on each episode. The guest tells me about a plant that means something to them. Then I tell the guest about a plant that means something to me. And through this process, we can all learn more about plants and learn more about each other. But this week, we're only going to talk about one plant. Now, previously, these special episodes meant that the guest chose a plant that was on my secret list of plants, and therefore I had something to say about that plant as well. But in this case, I do have something to say about this plant, but I I set it up beforehand. I knew we were going to talk about this plant ahead of time. Um, But going forward, I want to be open to have more special episodes when we only talk about one plant with a variety of guests. I think there's a lot of people out there that have really interesting things to say about specific plants, and they're experts in the field, or they just have a really compelling story. So I want to I leave it open to have special episodes more often. And in fact, because this is the 60th episode, and we have quite a few episodes under our belt now, I want to start from this point forward to kind of leave room to play with the format of Root Band a little bit. Now, we're still going to have the, the normal format where I have a guest on, and they tell me about a plant, and I tell them about a plant. But I want to I wanna explore a few different things. I want to have more special episodes. I want to be open to repeat guests, which, spoiler alert, we have a repeat guest this week. I want to be open to uh, revisiting some of the plants we've talked about in the past. There's already some plants that I know some people who have some particular insight on those plants that we didn't get with the previous guests, and you know I want to add to that. So let's consider this episode 60 as a little bit of a rebirth of the podcast where we change things up every now and then. We've got the core format, but I want to play around the edges a little bit more. So I hope you'll join me in this journey of exploring the format of Rootbound. And uh, also, as you'll hear at the end of the show had a little bit of a change in my life and so because of that there might be some hiccups in the publishing of the show or or maybe things might be a little shorter every now and then and as you'll hear I think you'll understand uh, it's quite understandable uh, so I hope you show me some grace with that but I think my, my, my goal is to try to keep this up as it has been week after week but if I slip apologies but I think you'll understand when you hear at the end of the podcast and with that let's move on and meet our guest who you've met before and talk about the humble tomato. You say tomato, I say tomato, but don't call the whole thing off. Rootbound is brought to you by the humble tomato. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is the 60th episode of Rootbound, and because of that, it's a little bit of a special episode in two ways. One, we're only talking about one plant, and two, we have our first repeat guest. I thought 60 episodes is a good number to start having some people on every now and then again. And of course, the best first repeat guest is my wife, Carla. Hi, Carla. Hi, Steve. And what plant are we going to talk about today? Well, I would like to talk about the tomato. Oh, yes. The humble tomato. Indeed, the humble tomato. Indeed. I'm (laughs) I'm a little surprised people haven't brought this up before. Actually, I did tell you early on that I would reserve this for you so no one else could talk about it. Thank you. 
but no one else has tried to bring it up, which I'm a little surprised by because it is such a uh, predominant food in everyone's lives. Yeah, and not only that, but it's like people who garden, like that's one of the, you know, plants that I feel like a lot of people put in their garden. Um, they're like, oh, my tomatoes this year or, you know, something like that. Um, so I'm a little surprised that no one has tried to bring it up because it's like such a common garden food as well as, or like a com- common garden plant as well as like a food, like such a common food. Yeah, yeah, well, you, I, if they would have asked, I would have told them no because I reserved it for you. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Very good. Well, yeah, let, let's get into it. What do you have to tell me about tomatoes? I also have some uh, maybe dazzling details, fun facts as well about uh, tomatoes. I tried to kind of go off some weird deepens, but let's start with what you have to say. Sure. And why is it meaning? Why are they meaningful to you? Sure. Well, um, uh, it's actually you know now that I really think about it, it's probably my favorite fruit. Because mm-hmm. um, as you know, um, I don't really like sweet fruit very much. Yes. Um, and so, like, I used to just think that I just didn't like fruit. Period. Um, but it turns out that I actually like savory fruit so like things like tomatoes and you know other other savory fruits that we kind of consider vegetables but are actually fruits it's one of those things when you're a kid and if someone tells you that a tomato is actually a fruit it blows your mind you yeah because it's because it's not sweet right yeah right. exactly but yes botanically definitely a fruit yeah well botanically they're classified as berries oh um so i thought that was interesting um that i found that in my research and um yeah and also, um, in my research, just, you know, to go off that botanical sort of um, angle, they are um, also dicots, which is kind of, you know, yeah, of course, because when mm-hmm. you see the little mm-hmm. little um, greens starting to sprout in the garden, there's like the two little leaves um, sprouting, which is, all, they're always so cute. Yes, that's, uh, they are a textbook dicot. Exactly. Yeah, audience, there's an episode a while back, I don't remember the number, where I defined dicot and monocot, but mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. So, um, well, one of the other reasons that the tomato is, uh, is meaningful to me is just because um, it is, it's, it, it's so um, predominant in Mexican cuisine. Mm-hmm. And in fact, um, the origin of the word tomato comes from the Nahuatl word, um, which is tomatl. And um, I thought that's, you know, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of the first evidence of domestication points to the people of Mesoamerica, including, um, you know, the Aztecs um, sometime before, like, 500 BC. Wow. So it was domesticated a long time ago. Um, it wasn't only domesticated in Mexico. It was also apparently domesticated in South America. So there's some evidence of it being domesticated in the Andes. Like separate domestication events? Um, I think that's unclear. Interesting. Um, I, it, but they probably started in the Andes and then somehow through trade routes, they made their way up to Mexico potentially. Um, but I think maybe the the uh, the actual timing of like where that all occurred is a little bit unclear right now. But there's like ongoing research on like when the domestication of tomato began and like when it became like what we know of it, like what we think of as a tomato today. Very interesting. Just a sidebar onto the name thing which you mm-hmm. mentioned the the name tomato which is how we say it in english comes from the novel the word tomato 
I found this really great blog, which I'll link in the show notes, that talks about all the different things that tomato is called. Mm-hmm. And the first thing, and I don't have a great source here, but it does say that the word tomato comes from the Nahuatl words tomohuac, which means swelling, roundness, or fatness, and atol, which means water. Yes. So it's like a sw- swollen with water fruit. Well, which I is. guess there was some reference to that the tomatillo had a similar name, and the tomato mm-hmm. is kind of the swollen version of it. Oh, well, so, Maybe. That's, so that's, a, that's another interesting thing, actually. So in Spanish, the, what we think of as the red tomato... We call it jitomate, so J-I-T-O-M-A-T-E. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and so that also comes from Nahuatl. It's like the, it starts with an X, like like she tomatl. Oh, yeah. And then the tomato is like the green one, like the tomatillo. Uh-huh. So. That makes sense. Um, but yeah. So a couple more things about the names, since we're on names. Um, a lot of languages use something based off of tomato, right? Yeah. In, uh, in Spanish, it's tomate. In Spanish, it's tomate. In English, it's tomato. In German, it's tomaten. Yes. However, that's a little bit interesting because I think originally, apparently, Germans called them paradisapfels. Like which, in Italian. Which means, well, paradisapfel means, uh, paradisapfel means paradise apple. Italian, they call them pomodoro, which yeah. means golden Golden, apple. right, exactly. Now, in Germany, they call them tomaten now, yeah. except for in Austria, they still oh. call them paradiser. They don't call them parad- paradise oh, apples. that's right. But they call them paradiser. Like which is paradise? Like, they're paradises. like paradises. They're little paradises. And I guess it makes sense if you're like from like a cold country in Europe and someone brings these bright red things, they're a paradise apple, and then you mm-hmm. shorten it to paradiser. And then the last, um, so yeah, those are the three main roots of words for tomato. We have tomaten, which is from the Nahuatl, paradise apple, or paradise apple, which is translations into a few other languages based on that root mm-hmm. and then pomodoro which is golden apple mm-hmm. and this is pretty interesting uh the word for i don't have it exactly here but the word for tomato in polish is similar to pomodoro and the first and the article was writing about that's kind of strange but apparently they found out later there's like a subscript at the bottom of the article that says i have subsequently been informed that pomodoro was introduced to poland by italian noblewoman and by Italian noblewoman Bonus Forza, who became queen of Poland by marriage in 1518. So this Italian oh, wow. lady came up there and brought the word Pomodoro, and then now the uh, Polish word is similar. So, oh, that's interesting. But the, and then there's one last thing in the article that mentions that the, the Hebrew word for tomato is more like love apple, which is interesting. Mm, yeah. So anyway, the fun names. Yeah, lots of fun names. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, too, since you mentioned um, the tomato being around in Europe and like, the 1500s, um, like, originally Europeans um, were a little bit f- fearful of the tomato um, for a variety of reasons. So, um, uh, <laughs> like, one of the... We're, the, the we're, I'm going to loop back to fear of tomatoes in a little bit. Okay. Um, and so, since, since, you know, just kind of going off on the tangent of, like, oh, the, you know... This Italian lady brought the tomato to Poland. Um, so, yeah, the Europeans were kind of initially fearful of tomatoes. Um, and it was, uh, you know, they're in the nightshade family, so which usually nightshades are toxic because they, concern, they contain certain alkaloids. Um, and so that, that are, you know, pretty toxic to humans. But, you know, then although some nightshades are pretty toxic, there are some other nightshades that are commonly used as foods. So tomatoes are one of them, and then potatoes, mm-hmm. and eggplants, and peppers. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of these that are very common food um, 
plants. And, uh, but, you know, of course, also some people have allergies and sensitivity to, to, um, nightshades. But another reason why I, I found it funny that, um, the tomato was initially feared by Europeans is like, I found an account where, um, some people thought that the tomato worms were a little scary looking. Oh yeah, those like horned tomato worms. The horned tomato they worms are scary. Looking. I mean, yeah, but I just <laughs> thought that was that was actually a little bit funny. I was yeah. like, wow, you're afraid of the tomato just because of the worm. Um, and then the not so funny, um, f- you know, reason for fearing the tomato is um, that um, they caused lead poisoning um, because. Um, as particularly in like, like higher class, like slash aristocrat or like richer European, you know, households in the 1500s, they had pewter plates and the acidity of the tomatoes would cause oh. leaching of the lead from the pewter. So that would then kind of cause like some lead poisoning. So wow. I think people were like, oh, well, these are poisonous, but it was in fact the dishes that they prepared things from or ate from very interesting and i found yeah i i I can send you the article for for that um where i found that um it's it's called uh why the tomato was feared in europe for more than 200 years (laughs) it's from the from the smithsonian very good that's that's super fascinating i can't wait to read that um yes uh we were talking about, I think, before we got off on this name <laughs> kick and then got into Fear of Tomatoes about the use in traditional Mexican cuisine. And I wonder yeah. if you have anything to, mm-hmm. sh- anything to say about that. Well, I mean, gosh, um, it's used in like pretty much anything, as you have, as you have noticed this, these past couple of weeks mm-hmm. where, that my mom has been around mm-hmm. um, helping us um, cook. Um, you know, it's like in salsas. It's in, you know, just like chopped up in dishes like yeah it's like it's in everything yeah very true um oh yeah but uh, well maybe just to finish the name piece here mm-hmm. this the scientific name is what i have left and it's a solanum and solanum is the genus for the nightshades right and nightshade is i think because there is a, a european plant that's in the nightshade family that's called black nightshade Mm-hmm. And the berries are black, so I think that nightshade name comes from those black berries of the black nightshade. That sounds like a superhero name. Yeah, it's true. Black nightshade. Indeed. Yeah, indeed. That's awesome. And then the the specific epithet of the tomato is lycopersicum. Yes, because of the lycopene. Well, I think they can name lycopene after lycopersicum, oh. and I couldn't find many references to this. So, audience, if you know better, but it, some there's a few references that lycopersicum, and it makes sense in my brain etymology wise. I just don't know why. It means wolf peach. Oh, right, of course. But that... I, I'm not sure why. So that's <laughs> uh, that's interesting. Yeah. So what what else what else do you have on your uh, list of fun facts and dazzling details of t- the humble tomato? Well, I, I find it so interesting too because it was like such it's such a you know your important ingredient in in uh, Mesoamerican cuisine, and it um, you, you know despite the fear that people had originally for it for like a few 
hundred years, it seems, um, it eventually became such an important ingredient in cuisines around the world. Mm -hmm. So like, you can't think of like Italian cuisine without the tomato, right? Mm -hmm. Like think of all of the sauces. Um, similarly, you can't think of like Spanish cuisine, mm -hmm. um, without the tomato, like think of like, um, you know, like gazpacho, things mm -hmm. like that as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's, um, I found it fascinating that eventually people overcame the fear of the humble tomato and it, you know, has been uh, such a staple in, in so many cuisines around the world. Yeah, that's really interesting. It was one of the first fruits that really kind of cemented this idea in my mind of of how pl plants particularly moved around the world and became um, so integral in cuisines when due, due to the globalization of, of the planet, right? There's a book called 1493 that talks about kind of all the impacts of Columbus and that whole thing. But part of it has to do with the way these foods moved around the world. And tomato is a great example of how, of how just what a great food it is. And because of that, it became so popular. And yeah, uh, mm -hmm. tomatoes um, have really spread around the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then like one of the last dazzling details that I want to talk about is like lycopene mm. is one of the compounds um, that lends tomato its color. And it's just, it's, it's a cool compound, right? Cause it's red and it's, um, similar to, to carotene and that it's like, uh, just an extended carbon chain with multiple double bonds. So it's just, that's why it's like beautiful and colorful. Carla is a chemist, by the way, <laughs> audience in case, uh, you know, if you need to look some up that stuff in your chemistry textbook, feel free. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I think it's, I think it's just like a beautiful, a beautiful kind of like orangey red um, color. Cool. It's a beautiful pigment. Does it? What are, does that have other properties? Like, what are the kind of like nutritious properties does it have, or like, what's its deal? Um. Well, I think that's a good question. Um. I, I don't know that it's like necessarily got any like vitamin. I mean, maybe it's got some like. I don't know. I have to look it up. Right. Audience, you can Google it. That's that's cool. <laughs> Um, good. Does, does that wrap up your, your list of fun facts uh, and dazzling details about the humble tomato? Yeah. Good. I have, I have, well, the name thing I kind of already went down because we got on that topic. So I kind of have two major topics to talk about. And there's so much to talk about the tomato. It is such an ever-present food. We could probably do three, four, five episodes about the tomato, but this is just, and maybe we will someday, but this is the first one. And so I wanted to try to like go to some places about the tomato that weren't as obvious. And so the first one I want to talk about is throwing tomatoes. There's this trope that you throw tomatoes at a oh, bad yeah. performer. Right, 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 of course. Fozzie Bear always getting hit by tomatoes. Um, and I was like, why is that? And my first, what, what is your, what is your first, um, what is your first guess about why that is? Oh, the, like throwing rotten tomatoes? Yeah, at, at bad performers. Um, well, it was a way of showing your displeasure, I guess, without harming someone. But why tomatoes? Is it because that, I I don't know. Yeah, okay. I, my first thought went is, I remember there's this festival called La Tomatina, mm -hmm. where there's a big tomato fight in the town square. Oh. It's not related to why we throw tomatoes at bad reform performers. It's a separate tomato throwing incident in culture. Like... People just throw them at each other? Yeah, the La Tomatina Festival in Spain is this festival where everyone gets together and just throws tomatoes at each other in this big tomato fight. 
and that dates back to 1945. There was some other festival, I forgot what it's called, and these young people got involved and it got a little rowdy. It's a festival where people wore these big heads, these big like heads and parade oh. through town. Okay. And so apparently, according to Wikipedia, things got a little rowdy. One of the heads fell off, knocked over a fruit stand, and then people started throwing the tomatoes at each other. And Fun. then the next year, these young people brought brought their own tomatoes. Not bad. And uh, and started like and then it's now it's been going every every year since then. And I have a quote here. Where did it go? Um, maybe I missed it. Yeah, on Wikipedia, one little interesting detail is that Franco banned the festival in 1950 Yikes. because it had no religious uh, significance, mm. but it still didn't stop the young people from from doing it. Apparently, mm -hmm. they still did it. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. Um, so, but that has nothing to do with why we throw tomatoes at bad uh, performers. I found a few different sources. One is just this idea of, of you know of just throwing rotten vegetables or fruit and vegetables at performers. Yeah. And that goes all the way back to, there's the first written source, goes back to AD 63. Oh, when, okay. Uh, Vespa, uh, when Vespasinus when Caesar Augustus was hit with turnips in the midst of a riot. Fun. Okay. That, think a, a turnip will hurt a lot more than a tomato. <laughs> I think I'd rather be hit by a tomato than yeah. a turnip. Um, so there is just kind of this, uh, I think, it's a very easy thing to think about in, in like humanity to throw rotten stuff at people if you don't like them, and that goes back that far. Um, and there is kind of this like, uh, I think trope of like Shakespearean actors being pelted with tomatoes, <laughs> but that also doesn't really work timeline wise. Tomatoes weren't really common in in uh, in yeah. England until well after Shakespeare. Right. So they were probably throwing other rotten stuff. Also, eggs is something that people get thrown at a lot. That's horrifying. Um, but I did I did find what is probably the first account of tomatoes being thrown at a bad performer. And I think this is what it all comes down to. I think this was like just became inset in our brains and is now like the trope of throwing tomatoes at bad performers. And it's a uh, <laughs> captain is meowing in the background. You can uh, you can please excuse him, audience. He wants to join the conversation. Captain is a cat. Um, <laughs> Hi, Captain. Um, but there's an article from the New York Times in uh, October 28th, 1883. 18, I'm going to read the whole 1883? article. Yeah, I'm going to read the whole article because it's pretty short. Uh, there's no byline of the article, so apologies to the author who wrote this great article. The headline is, An Actor Demoralized by Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> and the article goes, John Ritchie of Hempstead, Long Island, aspires to be an actor and lecturer. He made his debut before a Hempstead audience at Washington Hall a few evenings ago. He had a crowded house and was warmly received. In fact, it was altogether too hot for him, there being distributed among the audience a bushel or two of rotten tomatoes. The first act opened with Mr. Ritchie trying to turn a somersault. He probably would have succeeded had not a great many tomatoes struck him, throwing him off balance and demoralizing him. It was some time before the audience could induce him to go on with the performance. He next attempted to perform on the trapeze. As he lay upon the bar with his face toward the audience, a large tomato thrown from the gallery struck him square between the eyes, and he fell to the stage floor just as several bad eggs dropped on his head. Then the tomatoes flew thick and fast, and Richie fled for the stage door. The door was locked, and he ran the gauntlet for the ticket office through a perfect shower of tomatoes. He reached it, and the show was over. Richie estimates his damages at $50 and vows that he will not give a performance at Hempstead again. Oh my goodness, <laughs> yeah. that's intense. I was trying to like look up more about John Ritchie to see yeah. like what else did he yeah. do. 
and the poor guy is only known for being pelted with tomatoes. That's absolutely very sad. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I really tried to find, like, what else did this guy do? You know, did he, like, change careers? I, I don't know. I mean, at that point, you might as well have. Yeah, you know, I guess geez. so. Um, I love that headline, though. An actor demoralized by tomatoes. <laughs> poor guy. Yeah. Okay, so then I said we were going to get back to fear of tomatoes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tell me more. So when I was a little kid, I don't know exactly when. What? (laughs) Somehow I was exposed to the concept of the film Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Yes, right, of course. And it really, I was scared of a lot of things as a little kid. Well, that's what little kids do. But like weirdly scared of things. And mm-hmm. I remember like seeing some like clip of this film, Attack of the Killer mm-hmm. Tomatoes. And I don't know if it was the original, which I looked up later was in 1978, but there's actually been three sequels. Yeah. Um, but it really like scared me. I remember my grandma thinking it was really funny that yeah. I was scared of tomatoes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it is a little funny. Yeah, it, it is a little funny. Um, Not to you at the time, but yeah, in retrospect. Yeah, totally. Um, so, so yeah, I remember that. So then I had to look up about this film, and it was a 1978 American spoof comedy. It was kind of like mm-hmm. taking spoof on the birds, but tomatoes. Yeah. And, and it, it, it was completely like critically panned of course but but it has become a cult classic and because of that they made three sequels yeah which is pretty amazing and then i remember this too and i think this was this i was trying to work out the timeline i think i was scared of seeing a trailer or something of one of the movies oh yeah um maybe one of the i think there was a sequel in the mm-hmm. 80s i think one of the sequels i think was one of george clooney's first roles by the way that what? was a citation needed on wikipedia but still sounds good oh my gosh i need uh, to look that up but I think I saw like a trailer and that's what scared me. But right. but a little bit later, and this is like so weird and just total like 90s, like let's let's cash in on something that has any popularity. There And I remember this really clearly. I don't think I ever watched it, but I remember it. There was a 1990s cartoon called Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. I have no memory of that. Yeah, yeah. And I remember it now and uh, I'll, I'll, we'll listen to the theme song after this conversation. <laughs> And we'll, and we'll see how it sounds. But uh, uh, it was this cartoon, and I have the little synopsis from Wikipedia here. It says, Dr. Putrid T. Gangrene and his associate, Igor Smith, are turning tomatoes in the town of San Zucchini into monsters. Oh, my goodness. The evil doctor was battled by young Chad Finletter and his friends, Tara Boumdier, secretly a human-tomato hybrid pretending to be a teenage girl, and FT, which stands for Fuzzy Tomato, pretending to be a dog. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a 90s uh, cartoon. So uh, do you yeah. also remember, um, wasn't the library at UCSD used as the spaceship in the Attack of the Killer Tomatoes? Oh, maybe. What, was it that movie? I the, think, was yeah. It, yeah. Oh, yeah. So Like the Geisel Library? Yeah. If, if audience have never been to Uni- University of California, San Diego... Carla's going to fact check this real quick while uh, while I'm talking. <laughs> the library on the campus, which is called the Geisel Library, which is named after Dr. Seuss, right? That was his Correct. last name. Yeah. Um, is a really amazing building, and it's kind of like a it's kind of like a giant trapezoid. It looks like it's kind of like floating on a pedestal, and it totally is very sci-fi. And um, yeah, it looks very spaceshipy. Yeah, totally. And it it's, it it looks oh, like spaceshipy from like. You know, like the Space Invaders kind of spaceship-y, yeah. like 80s kind of 
totally. Because it's blocky, right? It's blocky, yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, the Geisel Library made an appearance as the exterior for Research Lab in Killer Tomatoes Strike Back, the third movie in the cult film series Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, according to Wikipedia. Interesting. Interesting. Yes. So, uh, uh, yeah, really cool building and perfect for ice. I guess it wasn't a spaceship. It was a, it was a lab. Because I, right. I don't think the... I don't think the killer tomatoes in the movie were from outer space. I think they were um, genetic experiments. Right. Yeah. It was a it was a um, hubris of man tale. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's fun. Yeah. So that's, that's so fun that I was curious about like why you were going to come back to fear of tomatoes, yeah. and I was like, is it? I thought it would be related to like that, you know. What I was saying, that Europeans were afraid of tomatoes in the beginning. No, nope, I was just afraid of the It was just like a personal fear. Yeah, personal I was afraid fear. of the killer tomatoes. <laughs> and and yeah, it's, yeah, it's so funny because like I remember being so scared and my grandma thinking it was so funny and me not thinking that was funny. But I didn't think I realized. <laughs> I was I was scared of scary movies. I didn't like scary movies at all. Yeah. And I didn't realize that it wasn't a real scary movie. I thought it was, you know, this is a spoof scary movie. And yeah. so to an adult, that must have been very funny. So anyway, yeah. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Amazing. That was the intro to the cartoon Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. That's amazing. Um, I do have some memory of that. I don't think I ever watched it, but when you were playing the 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 credit, or like when I was watching the certain images of that intro, I was like, oh yeah. Yeah, and the the, the theme song totally stuck out of my head. I like I, I I wrote the Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. I totally remember that now after watching yeah. it. Even though I don't think I ever watched the show. My favorite part about the theme song is the weird little part where they have the kazoo going. <laughs> It's always great to have a kazoo in, a, yep. in anything, really. Indeed. Anyway, that's uh, that's Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Amazing. I love it. You like potato and I like potato. You like tomato and I like tomato. Potato, potato, tomato, tomato. Let's call the whole thing off. But oh, if we call the whole thing off, then we must part. And oh, if we ever parked in that might break my heart. So if you like pajamas and I like pajamas, I'll wear pajamas and give up pajamas. For we know we need each other, so we better call the calling off all. Let's call the whole thing off. episode about the humble tomato and uh audience if you heard maybe a little bit of gurgling or 
snuffling in the background. That's because on this episode we were joined by our own little tomato who was born just a few <laughs> weeks ago. And uh, she, she might be making some uh, background appearances or maybe she'll be cutting some interviews short with some crying <laughs> at some point. And also, audience, I think, um, bear with me if there's some delays in the episodes over the next few weeks because, uh, you know, she, this little tomato is uh, a lot to take care of. But uh, I think we're going pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, she's so sweet and you're very sweet with her. So thank you. Thank you. She's a great little baby. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, see you on the next episode of Rootbound. My guest on this episode of Rootbound was Carla Arias. In addition to being the best wife a guy could ask for and the most excellent mother to our daughter, Carla is also a chemist and an attorney. I know, she's real smart. If you like Rootbound and you want to help support the show, visit rootboundpodcast.com support to find out all the ways you can help support the show, including following the show on Instagram. Rootbound is hosted by Steve Ellington, who really hopes you won't throw rotten tomatoes at him. Music by Christian Kriegeskota. Fake ads by David Lani. Rootbound is a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside, but if you can go outside, watch out for the killer tomatoes. Rootbound is brought to you by the humble tomato, the perfect fruit for bad comedy. Waka waka!